Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Merry Christmas and welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined for the last time this year by Matt Two Rumpets. How's it going, Matt? It's going quite well, although you've already confused me because I thought for sure it was Happy Christmas over there and not Merry Christmas, no, which is mostly s- what it is over here. We say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Um, not this year, of course, because everything is ruined. Uh, but don't worry about all of that now because we are in the podcasting bubble. Nothing can hurt you while you're talking F1 and doing some podcasting. I think that is the way to be. It is the way. It is that, It is the way. And it has been. I mean, it's been a crazy year, of course. But remember back to Melbourne and the extended off season. We had so many plans and we had so much effort focused towards that first race in Australia, and it it got to, I think, the start of practice one. There was cars ready to go out on track. There was people trackside waiting to come in, and then all of a sudden it was cancelled because there was confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the paddock. And right or wrong, um, everyone in F1 media, everybody who has projects around Formula One just went, oh, there's there's no races, there's no F1. Like, what on earth do do we do? But for us, it was kind of a double blow because we had spent the entire off-season, as we normally do, producing off-season content, all building up to the races. And then suddenly we go, well, what do we do? Do we sack it? We took a deep breath and we just did another off-season's worth of podcasting. Yeah. And I mean, there's a thing, there's a moment in bike racing. If you've timed your sprint perfectly, you've come onto the wheel, you've got maximum velocity, you've taken full advantage of the person pulling in front of you and you just bang past them and they cannot stop you. And we were literally at that point where we were going to jump in the lead. We'd had a beautiful off season. Everything had built to this exactly precise moment. And then, nope, sorry, we're waving off the sprint. You got to go around for another lap. And you're just like, what am I going to do now? And the worst, part, do the worst part of all of that was 
um, all the media had to go home and all suddenly discovered podcasting. So 37 major new podcasts came online and, and frankly, ate our lunch a little bit. We've done really well to get some growth this year. We haven't gone backwards, uh, but the growth that we were aiming for, I think, just got gobbled up by these megacorp podcasts that came in. But I think the fight back is starting now, um, and I think we're in good shape for 2021, so I'm really looking forward to that. I want to say a big thank you to the many wonderful emails and comments we've had throughout the year. The positivity from the audience for the first time has actually drowned out the negative ones. It's really, really easy to get sucked into just looking at the ones that go, oh, he's Spanish, he's a knobhead and he talks too much. Uh, But honestly, this year, the amount of positivity you've given me means that uh, I'm in no doubt that we're doing stuff that some people out there enjoy consuming. And um, you've more or less taken the troll's power over me away. So for that, thank you. Yeah, if I may share a personal anecdote, I actually had a conversation with one of our patrons and listeners. And they expressed to me exactly how important being able to come to the show and hear us talk, even my tire talk, believe it or not, even in terms of helping (laughs) him deal with sort of the real life stresses, like, you know, both the family issues and just the general stress of the lockdown and everything else that everybody has gone through this year. And it really touched me. So it's, it's a thing. I think the podcast bubble, you can come here and you can just forget about everything else. And take a deep breath. Well, let's calm down a little bit. You know, we're, we're not firemen. We've not been at the front line of the COVID pandemic response. Uh, but if we can be a distraction at certain points in your life, then we're absolutely delighted. And that's the best we can hope for as an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. We're joined on the panel by Renault sympathizer Kyle Power. How's it going, my edgy friend? Very well, thank you, Spanners. Um, looking forward to the last time I can actually wear this top. It's the third time I've ever worn this top for the podcast, even though I always wear the Renault top in my heart, of course. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but this is going to be the last time before they're rebranding next year, so could be emotional. Are you going to go and buy an Alpine top? No. Fair enough. Um, Next year, though, I think I am going to be, um, well, I think the show is going to be a little bit of an Alpine podcast because I'll be cheering on Alonso. I know not everyone's happy with that decision. Uh, But also Matt is obviously Ocon Fossey too. So I think we're going to be quite Alpine focused at times. I reckon we will be. We've also, as you say, we've got Alonso coming back and I'd imagine there will be some high velocity toys flying around and some good arguments uh, by by about mid-season, I predict. And let's welcome back to the shed rising BBC star Ellen Ellard. Uh, good morning and Merry Christmas, Ellen. Merry Christmas to you too. I forget where your uh, fanboy slash fangirl allegiances are, uh, but you're uh, you're quite into your McLaren, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Big Lando Norris fan, both on the track and off. Excellent. And we're going to be talking, we're going to be talking about the McLaren duo. We're going to focus on, I think, McLaren, uh, possibly uh, Racing Point, Ferrari, because we've, we've neglected some of those teams in the intense battle that's been happening up front. And, um, and also, I think, Matt, uh, we need to delve into uh, Renault because he's wearing the shirt. So he's gone to all the effort, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have, have to do to that. We'll talk about that a bit. Um, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. So we'll do that. Um, but also, I want to respond to some of the highlights that people presented to us. We asked on Twitter, Facebook, and in our Patreon Slack group, what were everybody's highlights from 2020? And there were a few themes that came up over and over again. Uh, The Hamilton 
tyre blowing up at Silverstone, says Carl. The memory from 2020 that stands out for me is when Hamilton's tyre tyres blew up in Silverstone. Uh, my watch told me my heart rate was up to 130 beats per minute. Kyle, how hard would it have been, do you reckon, to to drive like any sporting vehicle at enough pace to get home on three wheels? Very, very difficult, particularly as um, he did, especially the last complex, he had some very tough right-handers to go with and it was his front left that had gone. So that's the worst possible direction of the corner to go in. The car would have been scraping. It would have sounded awful in the cockpit. So yeah, um, I don't think... He, any of us would have managed it, put it that way. And now, Ellen, you do a bit of production work as well. So you do a bit of behind the scenes as well as being a superstar DJ presenter. The, the <laughs> calmness of Hamilton's radio, like, Verstappen's 20 minutes, 20 seconds behind, 18, 70. I would have been like yelling, like, Lewis, get on with it. Well, that was it, wasn't it? Like, they were remaining so calm and I'm sat there on my sofa screaming to the point where my um, flatmate's girlfriend comes through and is like, what is going on, on, Ellen? And I'm just screaming at the telly and then she's invested in it. And it was it was honestly one of my favourite memories of the season as well. Oh, I'm glad it's not just me that gets yelled at, Ellen. I, I often get Mrs. Spanish just going, will you, will you stop screaming? I'm like, it's, it's a good scream and it's only once a week. Screaming, crying, we've had everything this season. I mean, we, we really have, haven't we, Matt? Um, apart from the title being decided, I mean, geez, even the outlet that cannot be named had to take a big break from the, oh, everything's boring. And they had to wait till the last race of the season to really do that because we've had so many thrillers this year. Yeah, and we've had, uh, to, to me at least, so many new tracks to go to, so many new places to go to with all kinds of odd circumstances that just throw people off and and let let a different mix come to the fore every time and it's just been delightful seeing uh, seeing McLaren at the front seeing Renault at the front um even Ferrari on occasion at the front which is normally where you'd expect them to be it was it was just it was a banner season for the midfield if if I if I had ad space on McLaren I'd be very very happy right about now uh yeah they definitely yeah, they, they definitely did take centre stage in a lot of those races. But let's go to um, the other theme here, which is Gasly. Loads of messages about Gasly. Let's just um, just read just a couple of them here. Um, Gasly's win and the French commentary that accompanied it. And I, I think it's, um, I mean, you're a French sympathiser as well, I think, Kyle. Uh, it's hard for us to forget like what it means to nations to have their driver go like, up front. Because as Brits, we've been spoiled by having quite a lot of British drivers, but... You know, um, the Mexican fans going nuts at, at Shakir. Um, for the French, who've got such a deep racing history, for them to finally have a winner after all this time. Yeah, they've been somewhat starved of top-line talent in in Formula 1. And and it was just lovely. I completely agree with the sentiment of Gasly's first win, and particularly the French commentary bit. When I watched that back, hearing the commentator's voice starting to break and he's getting so excited, he cannot contain his emotions. That was Filling me again, it's the warm, fuzzy feeling thing. I had a, I had a, pl- a smile plastered all over my face, and I watched it about three times consecutively because it made me that happy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's nice. And I wonder what Ellen will make of this comment from Rob Asher. For me, the racing highlight was that last few laps of Monza, Gasly versus Signs. Whichever way it ended was going to be epic. I would always have been delighted for whoever did win. Proper edge of the seat racing stuff. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, Gasly did have to really hold Signs off in that race. 
Yeah, I was getting so excited because I knew I was going to be happy, you know, avoiding a crash, whatever, whatever happened. Um, well, crash, you know, it would be more technical difficulties with, you know, how spaced out they were. Um, it was it was an absolute joy to watch um, for both of them, really. Um, I know my sort of like diehard McLaren fan friends were a bit disappointed. But then, you know, you, you, it was really hard to be disappointed, even if you are a McLaren fan, sitting there watching Gasly on the podium, just sat there and it it was a real, I don't want to say it made him a poster boy for the, the human side, but like sort of something along those lines. He was sat there and it's so easy when you're looking in at the sport to forget yeah. there's a human in the cockpit. There's someone driving that, you know, that huge, powerful machine. And that moment with all the confetti raining down and him just sat there was so beautiful. Yeah, he was a bit in shock, um, sat on the steps of the podium. And that was in stark contrast to, was it in Salagos where he picked up? The podium was it into Lagos uh, last year, where he was just screaming like that raw, guttural, like warrior scream of like, "Yeah, I did it!" And then this was a much more uh, kind of measured, overwhelming response because the podium was like redemption. We forget how hard he was dumped mid-season, uh, but yeah, I think that no one was unhappy with that win, Ellen. No, not everyone I know um, was just so happy. And it was so great going on Twitter. You know, F1 sometimes can be a community that's that's divided. No. And we love an argument. <laughs> no, we love an argument, don't we? We love getting in there and debating it. But everyone was sat there celebrating with him. And it was so, so beautiful. It was it was incredible. And, you know, of course, he's going to be reflect reflecting on everything that has gone on in the past year, sort of on the track, off the track, all the stress and emotion that he's been through. And you sort of felt, you know, I was empathetic for him. You know, I not only did I see what he was going through, you you felt it looking at those images. It's like we were all ghastly for for a moment yeah. there. And, and Maria's comment in the chat room, I think it's aimed at you, Ellen. How would they hear you on track if you didn't scream? Exactly. We are directly involved in all the things happening on the track. Uh, absolutely. Can anyone remember, though, whether Gasly had been confirmed at Alpha Towery before uh, that win or not? I think he may have been. Oh, right. Okay. I think he may have been. Well, I'm, not, I'm, I'm happy to be corrected, but I think he may have been. So it's an all round kind of um, good news, good news event. And, that. and that's why so many people focused on that. I, I do want to get to the teams, Matt. So, um, but I, I just, I, lo- I love all these comments. I love everybody listening, listing back what they enjoyed. Stuart says, thing of the season is, is missed apex. Obviously, I meant aside from Missed Apex, geez. Uh, and Rob says, becoming a patron and properly part of the Missed Apex community is one of my things of the season. Uh, Matt, we started off putting on that that kind of Slack forum for our patrons. I, I yep. think we thought it was like, oh, here's like a cool thing. You get to be in a forum with, where Spanners and Trumpets hang out, uh, yeah. which is just like dumb. But it's actually turned out to be like a great thing for us too. Not only are they like just friendly and a nice place to hang out during the race, troll-free pretty much, uh, but also just a source of information with F1 and and a source of... They're not yes-men, are they? It's a source no. of constant correction of like, oi, oi, nobeds, you got 18 things wrong in the last show. Yes, no, I, there, there are several people with whom I have extended discussions about um, theoretical strategy events after the show. Well, you said this, but if I look at it this way, and then it'll be days of you know, going back and looking at onboards, it just like, it's never ending fun. And it's a community unto itself. As you rightly pointed out, mm. we thought we'd start it just to give everyone a chance to say hi to us and have a little casual conversation. But frankly, 
it's become its own thing. It's become larger than us, if you can imagine such a thing. Okay, let's see. Gasly was only confirmed at the end of October, over a month after the win. Oh, and that's Jules. That's Jules Sagers, uh, our Dutch panelist, who said that. So we'll we'll trust him. So that was brilliant. If that was still hanging over his head and he got that win, then he got the seat confirmed all in a couple of weeks. Um, Maybe his birthday was like in that period as well, just to top it all off. Um, Thank you very much for that, Jules. And, And speaking of Jules has reminded me that one of my highlights here has been... Uh, the amount we've grown the panel successfully as well, having people who just popped on become regulars on the show. I think this is the third visit to the shed by uh, BBC Radio Cambridge's Ellen Ellard as well. So pleased to have you as a regular. Do you think you'll hang around with us next season as well? Or do you think you'll be too famous by then? Oh, no, most definitely. I'll de- I'll come back. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say, no, I'll definitely be too famous by then. No, I'll, I'm going to be too famous. You- you'll have to contact my agent. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. I'll go through the agent and uh, I'll, I'll stop getting blue ticks on WhatsApp and it'll all be over. But we've also had um, fantastic contributions from the likes of Jules Sagers from the Netherlands. Uh, Christian Pedersen has become a regular with us as well. And mostly really good, positive feedback from Flip Jacobsen from Brazil joining the panel last year as well. And I just love how much of an international feel we've got instead of just just middle-aged guys from Cambridge. No offence, Kyle. <laughs> he looks shocked. That's not fair. Yeah, I was too yeah. shocked to say anything. When, Although we're near middle-aged. When will middle-aged white men from Cambridge finally get their chance, eh, Kyle? Huh? It's a harsh We're not world. represented, are we? It's a harsh one. <laughs> not represented except everywhere. Oh, um, here's a good one from Stuart um, talking about highlights. Stuart says we must celebrate the way AWS has increased our understanding and enjoyment of the race coverage. No, no, Stuart, bad. You lose chat room points, bad. Uh, that little, the little cute little girl on the adverts who's all like, how did he know? Oh my God, how did he know about the thing? How did they know the pizza was coming? Because she ordered it. She ordered the food. You got a rough idea of when it's, when it's coming. And I hate that little girl now. I know you shouldn't hate a little girl. You don't know, but I do. I have so much anger. Uh, We should focus in on the new tracks just a little bit. Um, Who was it that sent... uh, Who sent that in? Okay, I've lost it, but someone... Oh, here we go. It's Weitzer van Bruggen. um, Saw F1 cars at some real proper tracks, Kyle. I know what he means. When he says he means old school tracks, even though Shakir track is simple in nature, it provided great entertainment, but then he mentions Mugello, Portimao, um, as standout tracks, tracks that we would not have gone to. We would not have gone to Mugello, Portimao, Imola, any of those tracks this year. Um, and apart from Imola was all right. Turkey. Even, Turkey, yeah. Yep, Turkey. Even yep. Imola was all right. But you're, you're one of these kind of like uh, all the olden days kind of guys. So how did you find it? Puritan. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought it was brilliant. Actually, I might say a bit more on that a bit later because that may or may not be my thing of thing of the year was going to all of these cool tracks and when they mean proper tracks i presume they mean um i presume they mean gravel traps lots of gravel traps and lots of places to stuff cars in and make a bit of drama which is exactly what we got well well, it's interesting because i genuinely thought we were going to go to tracks like that and it would just be a, a a boring procession like we used to get into the 90s um and i i am i was convinced that these cars really were only suitable for the likes of Bahrain, China, Malaysia, I would be pushing to go to India, to the Korean track, tracks like this, obviously Turkey as well. And then we go to some of these narrow tracks and we have like storming races. So I, I think, I don't know, Ellen, has it, has it been the, 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 
the whole narrative of oh f1 modern f1 cars are too fast they can't pass have we have we kind of just dispelled that myth because they could they went to those tracks and they raced fine Oh, I think fully. I am, um, and you can fight me for this. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm a, I'm a fan of Monaco. I love the history. I love the way people look in on it. Yeah, I I understand. I hear you. I hear you. Um, I, I like it more, like, as a, as a track? Possibly not. I love the history, and I love watching people race there. Um, but I didn't miss it. I didn't miss it this year. That's a good point. And yeah. that, I really enjoyed that. I loved that there was some things that we weren't going to know about. You know, there was some factors that we couldn't expect. You know, usually it's the car and the driver are the unknown forces. But no, this year we had new tracks and we just had excitement. And, you know, I'd love to see more of that coming into, you know, seasons to come in the future. Yeah, I, I, I thought based on your initial statement that it was going to be nothing but a Spanners versus Ellen show about monaco and that kyle and i could just go roll on out of here but you 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 changed your tune it's a terrible it track monaco <laughs> and i think i think we all the the novelty of the new tracks hard to overstate and i hope yeah. that f1 finds a way to keep them going in the future thing is you can't undo that now we, we've seen it kyle you, they can't go okay now let's just have our full normal seasons forever I, I haven't studied next season's thing but you know going forward they've got to chuck in the odd portimao now they've got to chuck in the odd Mugello. yeah they can't they can't ignore it and and it's somewhat sort of rips up the rule book you could say of what we thought was going to give us good racing. And then this is, and then look at the last race in Abu Dhabi, a track that is pretty much textbook on paper designed for overtaking. And we didn't really get much, but look at Mugello and we had loads. So I'd like to think it's changed the perception of how they look at tracks and consider different tracks for the schedule. So I'm going to pour some, uh, some, uh, some cream on the seltzer here because there's one trend I have noticed. And I wonder if, if any of you will weigh in on this which is I think that Massey, the race director, is far more safety car trigger happy than previous, you know, than Charlie Whiting would have been. And I think we've seen more safety cars, Matt, and I think that that has contributed to a lot of the drama. Like, oh, my goodness, uh, some some tyre rubber flew off of uh, Barrichello's car. Why Barrichello? Uh, off of, um, I can't, now I can't think of a, a single Formula One driver. Oh, my God, a, a Fittipaldi's car. <laughs> There you go, Fisichella. Massa was the second name that came into my head. (laughs) I'm so old now. Um, Any excuse to get the safety car out, and he was just dropping it, which has given us great racing. But they they, they are competition safety cars a lot of the time now. Well, maybe, to an extent. But in his defense, I will point out the following two factors. One is far less marshals than normal at the circuits because of the COVID restrictions, sometimes up to 50% less. And then the other thing is, let's remember, he's fairly new at this job. And if he's going to make a mistake, he would rather make a mistake on the side of caution because he's not Charlie Whiting, who's been around forever and knows everybody and can simply make a, can get done under the table or, or around the things, the things that he needs to get done. He's subject to a great deal of scrutiny and testing by the teams. So he's going to make the decisions he needs to make to ensure that the race is safe now. Yeah, and I agree with Trumpets. And to back that up, we'd seen quite a strong trend and upturn in safety cars being thrown for what we would have considered fairly insignificant incidents ever since 2014, and quite rightfully so. There has been a trend going going towards that. But yeah, VSC... They don't. He doesn't seem to utilize the VSC too much. He'll have a VSC and will be more inclined to go straight for the full safety car because that neutralizes the race even more. We've seen it a few times. We've had VSC 
and then then they've gone to the the full safety car, which has been interesting tactically. Um, to be honest, look, I don't I don't mind I don't mind if there's a bit of a, a dramatic competition element in it. Yes, we would all want pure motorsport ideally, uh, but it has at least kept. You know, it's kept some of the bad press from people going, oh, there wasn't 85 overtakes in this race. All right. Well, look, the safety car didn't, like, dramatically change things. Well, I suppose it did at Imola. Certainly did. Oh, and it, no, they have dramatically changed things. But I, I guess that's kind of my point, Carl, which is we've had a lot of, like, results and late drama because of them. Some of them, but actually some of the safety cars actually killed the races where it was right in the pit stop window where somebody was thinking of ever doing a two-stop or not and it actually made them all an easy one-stop i think that happened on three or four occasions where it actually backfired and gave us less drama than it would have done otherwise are we all in general agreement that this has been a really entertaining season of f1 like there's no one here that thinks it's oh, been yeah. particularly bad um and the ind- it's the individual races i think for some people it was marred obviously by just lewis hamilton dominating again but i you know i had my i had my gloat session i didn't care about the 91 wins but I did definitely allow myself a good bit of self-indulgence when it came to the seven the seven world championships, equally Michael Schumacher's record. Carl, I know you're a Michael Schumacher fan. How, how, did, how did you feel? Because you are in like a group of like Hamfosi fans in our Mr. Apex WhatsApp group. And we're all there going, oh, isn't Hamilton dead brilliant? And you're like, no, not as good as Schumacher. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's something special to see that record equaled. And yeah, that, that really genuinely was still one of my highlights of the year. Yeah, it was. And as someone who is a lifelong, my first ever Formula One memory is the uh, 1991 Spa qualifying session. In the Benetton? With with Schumacher in the Jordan. Jordan, And I remember that guy's got a funny name and I like it, so I'm going to follow him. (laughs) And I did throughout the whole thing and what a guy to choose. So uh, it means an awful lot to me. Um, And when Hamilton equaled it, I was happy because I've I've watched Hamilton's career from, from the days from the Champions of the Future program on ITV. He's the same age as me. I watched him on my Saturday's karting, followed his, always kept an eye on his career, stood there in 2006 at the side of the track and watched his GP2 win. And also, yeah, so I followed his whole career. So it was lovely to the the two main protagonists that I followed my whole time of watching Formula One have ended up the two most successful ever. Um, Very, very lucky. So I liked it. It was brilliant, wasn't it? I, I absolutely loved it. Um, it was it was one of those things that brought the emotion back into the sport again. And I loved it, sort of what we we're talking about with Gasly earlier. Um, it was just so nice to be there as a Brit and see so many other Brits who might not be into F1 as much as like myself, like looking through Twitter and just seeing everyone getting behind him and getting behind the sport. Um, and to have a driver like that in coming from Britain, it's just so great. I know the British contingent at the minute is so talented. And when you look in the ranks and those coming through, it's it's a great place to be. And to have like someone at the top, like Lewis Hamilton, um, yeah. it's just brilliant. And it is so good when you look at the sport becoming more accessible to have him as a, you know, at the front of it. It's, it's just a great position to be in. And I think that's the same for, for every country, you know, with stuff. We're not unique as Brits to feel that national pride. I know the Germans, they haven't gotten around Sebastian Vettel in quite the same way. But for Michael Schumacher, he was absolutely their hero as well. And we spoke uh, earlier about how much Gasly's win, you could hear how much it meant on the French commentary too. So, so please uh, forgive us our little bit of joy like that. Um, bubbly chunks! In the Patreon Slack group, gives us his highlight as well. Ian Erasmus, let's give a plug for Ian Erasmus Photography as well. He designed our swarm liveries. If you go and check out Mist Apex Motorsport on YouTube, you can see us. Uh, you can see our latest round of the map championships 
but for the Swarm series, we're all in uniform. We're all in our black and striking red um, with our individual flashes of colour as well. We're like the Barbarians, Kyle. We've got the team kit, but then our socks are different. So we've got like, our side panels are different. Yeah, indeed. And it looks mighty, it must look mighty intimidating for everyone else in the session. As I was rolling out in my first official session, surrounded by Miss Apex cars, Miss Apex, it's brilliant. And yeah, um, big up for Ian for that. The livery is superb, very striking, and it makes us really stand out. And Hopefully you, not when we're upside down in the gravel. And by the way, if you want a sim racing livery uh, produced for you at a very reasonable rate, get in touch with me, spannersready at gmail.com. I'll, I'll hook you up with, um, with Ian. But his comment is, Turkey was a standout for me. Watching the F1 cars, Matt, watching the F1 cars, trying to deal with impossible conditions all weekend was just fascinating. Like it really was. It's definitely a mistake. We should never do that on purpose. It was an error, but it was a glorious one that everyone just had to deal with. Yeah, and watching just the temperature, the condition of the track, the brand new asphalt that had been laid. It was just the perfect storm of things Formula One cars could not deal well with. And in that sense, it it was actually kind of a very entertaining thing to see because so much more than usual the drivers had an awful awful lot to do with it and we saw some people who never spend spinning all over the place and we saw some people who always spend not spinning at all so it was it was it was the best of everything in a lot of ways even though i know it wasn't everyone's favorite race of the year let's talk driving styles kyle then um formula one drivers (laughs) i'm an expert aren't i i've gone go-kart and i've done sim racing (laughs) so i know i know um and i've commentated on stuff and as you know, if you commentate on stuff, you become uh, an expert um, on it. Of course. But um, you imagine that Formula One drivers get very used to very quickly having all the grip. And that's what they talk about all the time. I've got no grip. The tyres are going. And often I just think, well, yeah, the tyres are going because you've, you've been using the tyres. No, I need new tyres. No, 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 that's not what you do. You have the bit where the tyres are really grippy and then you have the mm-hmm. bit where it's a bit understeery and you, you deal with it. Surely. When we saw the no grip conditions at the... At the Turkish Grand Prix, the feeling I got was that most of them were like, oh, my God, I can't drive. The car's not working. But then you had some drivers like Carlos Sainz. You, just, you could almost feel him just chuckling all the way around going, <laughs> there is no grip. <laughs> um, it just completely shows who's, a, who's extremely adaptable and who isn't and who takes a few more laps to get their, head, their heads around a condition. Also, the, we say it's all mainly down to the drivers. The cars played a big part in it as well. We saw some cars could switch their tyres on, others couldn't. Again, that's a bit down to the driver, but it was fantastic. And yeah, some drivers were just absolutely excelling. I know your favourite driver really excelled in the qualifying session in Turkey. And Stroll ended up putting it on pole. It just shows he can have some aggressive styles. He must be extremely adaptable and hence he must be the best driver on the grid, surely. Okay, I hate you. I already hated you when you turned up with a Renault ship. I hate you more now. Um, I, I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to ruin the entertainment for Stroll fans who were like, yay, Stroll got a podium. But I said it. In fact, I don't think I did say it at the time. I think I didn't want to ruin it at the time. But let's be honest, the Racing Point did the best tyres thing. They they warmed them up. They had that massive advantage in Q3. So they popped up to the, up to the top and Perez had traffic. So Kyle, you've trig- you know you were triggering me. You know what you're doing. You're a smart guy. Sorry, sorry. I apologise for everybody. I'm going to go quiet now. Here I was, enjoying my what is definitely coffee in my mug, and then Kyle comes along and triggers me. Uh, where were we? You've completely put me off. Yes, the Turkish Grand Prix. Um, do Okay, tell you what. Is Turkey on the calendar next season? Have they put it on the calendar next season? Someone look that up for me. Let's Let's look the calendar up, and we will end 
by looking at which tracks uh, have have appeared mysteriously um, on the 2021 uh, calendar. So a lot of people um, are talking about Grosjean. Philip Allen, the roller coaster of emotions after the Romain Grosjean crash. I wasn't going to dwell on it. I don't think we should dwell on it because we talked about it so recently. Um, but Ellen, did you watch that live? Yes, I did. And um, yeah, I, having been um, an F1 fan, um, uh, mostly due to my age, for not as long as um, as, as many people, mm. it was the, the worst crash that I've, I've seen. Um, and I'm lucky that that's the worst crash that I've seen um, because it, it all worked out, you know, okay. You know, it, it didn't end in anything more serious than burns and I think a two-day trip to hospital and, um, you know, some recovery. Um, but I was lost for words, yeah. completely lost for words at the time. And I am so grateful for for the safety measures that have come in. And despite what whatever you thought about Halo when it was first introduced, I think we all sat there and thought, thank God for that. Well, it's nice in a way to have, I guess, a validation for the Halo because there were mm. so many people were so fervently against it. What about all those people, Carl, who said, I'm never watching F1 again because of the Halo. Oh, now it's a sport for tiny children and I'm not watching it anymore. Ashamedly to say, I wasn't quite that bad, but I was <laughs> one of the crowd who was dead against it. Um, uh, and I didn't see why um, because... Well, none of us could at the time. And ironically, one of the drivers who was quite outspoken against it was Roman Grosjean. Yeah. And he actually said that. And so he was against it. I think everyone, Lewis Hamilton even said he, if he could choose to not run it, he'd not run it. And I think everybody's had their mind changed now. And as Helen said, um, it's regardless of how long you've been watching the sport for. If you've been watching the sport for 30 years, 20 years or 20 minutes, I think everyone would have been shocked of what they saw and then equally relieved when he rose from the flames. Who's Helen? Ellen. Ellen, sorry. No, I definitely don't, haven't also made worry, that mistake. Don't I get it all the time. <laughs> I've made that mistake with you on air as well. And um, you're always very kind and understanding about it. It's all right. Everyone does it. It's all right. <laughs> now, I'm going to make you feel better. Make you feel better, Ellen. You were saying I'm because so sorry. you're so young that you uh, had not seen many crashes. Well, that's good. That's good to know that someone who's only just old enough to drive a truck uh, hasn't seen a lot of those those kind of crashes. Obviously, not glossing past at all. Um Jules Bianchi at Suzuka yeah. in the wet. But even as a 40-year-old sweat who's been watching it since he was a kid, um, I've seen some horrific accidents in, in motor racing and Formula One on telly. Uh, and that still, I can still tell you that I think the Grosjean one was the most jarring one to watch in real time because we live in the background saw the trajectory of Grosjean in a place where you are not expected to crash at all. At the beginning of the straight, they're still very much in the early acceleration zone and you saw him come left to right. You could see that movement. It didn't look right in the background of the shot. Then you saw the sudden dart into the barrier and you go, oh my goodness, he is going at like full speed. He's going at a very high speed in, in into, into the side of a barrier, which is right there. And you knew the impact speed was going to be scary and I was already holding my breath and then that that sickening, sickening ball of flames uh, was just, it was gut-wrenching to watch in real time. Now, we have a little rule in the Slack group uh, when we're watching is that you have to account for the streams. So we say never commentate on anything. Don't like do any spoilers. Don't say, oh my God, Hamilton's out. 
Got to give a bit of time for the streams to catch up. And I got on there and I was like, for the love of God, if anybody here is on an earlier stream and you hear the words, he's out of the car, you immediately tell us. And they were good at getting that news to us. He's out of the car. And then really the standout of that, apart from the halo, apart from uh, Grosjean managing to get himself out of the harness in a ball of flames and be cool and calm, was that dude whose name I've forgotten. I think it was Ian. Anyway, the, the medical car guy. And he was like right there by the edge of the flames, like judging it. He was like stood at a wall of fire waiting for his opportunity to go and grab Grosjean. And then he did. And that was brilliant. Oh, I've missed one of my highlights of the season. By the way, panel, put your hand up if you have a highlight of the season that you want to do next. Um, But my one, I think uh, throughout the whole season that's given us the most intrigue is that that silly season, Matt. The fact that Vettel was dumped so early, I think before before a race, wasn't he? He was dumped between Melbourne not starting and then Austria, and then the whole driver field shuffled around. So politically, we had this really interesting situation that coloured the season. Yeah, the silly season was exceptionally silly, and part of that was we didn't have racing until fairly late for when we're used to to distract us. But you're right. Um, having looked at the lay of the land once the initial races were canceled, Ferrari thought, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and do this now. And gave Vettel his walking papers, which meant their entire season got real interesting. And, and you know, if you, you look at the results, compare Leclerc's points to Vettel's points. He had about a third of the points. He had fewer DNFs. And, and you could see that they very early on engineered him out of the technical briefings and stuff like that. And we're very much focused on getting Leclerc, the maximum out of Leclerc in the car, because he was going to be their driver going forward. And it was just unfortunate for Seb. Thankfully, he did manage to to get a single podium out of it. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't a totally humiliating season for him. But most of it was could not have been the least bit pleasant for someone who has been a world champion. Do you know what? It could have been a humiliating season for him. It could have been a season where he was sat there, Carl, pissing and whinging. He could have been moaning. He could have been bitter about Ferrari. Um, not a Vettel fan. Have have thought he was like, you know, he's a personable guy and assumed that like, he's the kind of guy you could have a nice dinner with. Uh, but he's still like, you know, he's he's the baddie. He's a baddie for me in F1. If this is like WWF, Vettel is definitely a baddie for me for those four years of domination, much like Hamilton will be a baddie to some people. Um, but this year, oh my goodness, the... The class, the 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 restraint, the fact that he just poured out nothing but messages of respect and love. He was respectful to Lewis Hamilton, hailed all his successes. He was honest about his failures at Ferrari. He adapted his helmet to to race, you know, to be inclusive, to to highlight that we should be inclusive of all different minorities and, and groups in Formula One. Uh, and he was just—he was just spectacular and on point. And like, I can't help it. I feel disgusting, but I think I like Sebastian Vettel now. I've always been a bit of a closet Vettel fan. He's a big Blackadder fan. He loves the old British comedies. He—he's always been on my list of drivers I'd quite like to go for a pint with and share a pack of port scratchings with. Type sort of guy. He seems quite down to earth. Um, and yeah, he was the consummate professional this year uh, even when Leclerc was take doing silly moves and taking him out Vettel didn't whine to the press he didn't do anything he knew he was getting criticized left right center and just said we'll talk about it behind closed doors 
things happen and he just didn't I, I don't think he moaned or had the bottom lip out once all season and he just took it on the chin and yeah I, he gained a lot of respect points from a lot of people yeah and um and that's why at least in my estimation that if we're going to talk about teammate battles well statistically Leclerc won that going away but if we're talking about teammate battles I think Vettel won because he had long been pilloried, as you rightly know, in Spanish for things like Multi-21, and that time he drove into Hamilton behind the safety car. Baku. He had a streak of behavior on track that was not, it was not attractive, to say the least. And the fact of the matter is, in this situation, his professionalism and his utter class showed through, and I think he really rehabbed it. And I just, I'm going to bring up, he learned an entire song in Italian to sing to his mechanics, and he bought them beer and was handing it out after the last race. He didn't have to do that. Ferrari did not treat him particularly well. And it just it showed a side of him that I think not everybody knew. I, I was a bit... I, I, I started watching the season, and I was like, come on, Vettel, come on, up your game. And it was sort of falling into the stereotypes um, that I'd already sort of made up in my head about who Sebastian Vettel was and the kind of thing that he had going on. I think if I remember right, and you can correct me if this is, I've got completely the wrong driver, um, but wasn't it Vettel who went in and moved the, in um, part firm, and moved the, the the numbers around? He, yes. had, he can be stroppy if he wants. You know, he can go in and he can be savage and he can ignore everyone he cannot shake hands he could get in a mood if he wants to but he didn't you know this season he has really changed in my expectations of him and I wish him all the best you know he's I think like you say I think he's won I think he's won and I think I hope we see a completely different, more relaxed, more just a completely different version an evolved version if you will of Sebastian Vettel next year because I think we will. And to quote 90s hit comedy movie, White Men Can't Jump, uh, sometimes when you lose, you really win. How did that pop into my head? That's amazing. Uh, so I believe it was 2019 Montreal where where basically Vettel got a penalty, which handed Lewis Hamilton the win. And then he came and he, he swapped over the things. Yeah, we've seen him drive his car into Lewis Hamilton as well. So so we know that it's not like a, a full-on loving. And we know he's stroppy. Oh, my, my goodness, Mexico. Is that 2017? Mexico, message to Charlie. Yeah, he called him a flicker on the radio, did he not? <laughs> Thank you, sir. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Uh, yeah, he did. Um, like, look, but this year uh, he's shown a bit of class and um, I'm going to just read that that song. Uh, not in Italian. Here's the English translation, courtesy of Autosport. Thank you. You are the red team. You are passionate. You'll never surrender. My stop is coming. I guess my end is... I loved being with you. I felt your magic. An extraordinary feeling. Guys, I thank you for having me. I will miss you all. Greetings to all of you in Maranello. You deserve to be mentioned here. And now I'll say goodbye and wish you all the best. I wish you to be happy, but above all, to be healthy. No, no, you're crying, Matt. That's good. Yeah, it was a powerful thing. And I think everyone's now kind of excited to see what he will do uh, with the racing point he's going to inherit next year. The Aston Martin that he's going to inherit next year. Well, thank you to everybody who gave us uh, some of their, some of your highlights of the race weekend. I had a sneaky suspicion that those were going to cover a lot of ground. So what I asked the, uh, the panel to do was prioritise a team each. We had divvied out the 10 teams between all of us, um, but we're going to prioritise the four teams we want to focus in on, on this show. Um, and hey, We've got three months of off-season podcasting again. And for those of you who like our off-season content, we're going to do all that good stuff. We're going to we're going to treat it like the night shift again. 
All right? We're going to relax a little bit. We're going to just lean a little further back in our chairs. Uh, maybe even, I don't know, maybe Matt, we could even we could have uh, the odd drink while recording as well, just to loosen maybe. things up. Yeah. yeah, just to run it out there. Yeah. So, so don't worry. If we don't cover your team or driver, we will be back in January. We're going to take time off for, uh, for Christmas, just uh, one week, and then we'll be back in January, and we'll pick up all the topics and all the drivers and all the teams that we missed. Is there going to be a Christmas tech time, or do we have to wait till the new year, Matt? Um, there might be. Oh. TBC, as they like to say. Yeah, well, uh, the production, video editing, and media team is on standby um, if you do produce one of those tech times. I know there's four or five of you out there who really, really enjoy them. So hopefully, uh, Matt will be able to sort one out. If not at Christmas, then definitely in the new year. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Thank you for choosing to listen to Mr. Apex Podcast. While I have your attention, might I direct you to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Mr. Apex. It's in the show notes of your phone. So just flick over to the right, I think. I think you flick over to the right in Android, scroll with Apple, but find it. The links are there and you'll get an ad-free feed. So if you don't like, uh, you know, me telling you about really great high-octane fuels or a beer that can be delivered to your house or razors or whatever else it is that um, we've been lucky enough to endorse this year, um, you can pop over and for $2 a month, you can have the ad-free feed. At the five-level tier, come and join us in the Slack forum and also get our patron-only Friday live streams, which have been absolutely great. I really enjoyed those. It's not better content, but, but it is extra content i suppose and it's a lot more interactive we've been experimenting with call-ins there something i want to bring into the shows as well last bit of admin is that during the off season i think only every other show will have a live stream so just keep an eye on um the youtube if you subscribe there the ones that have live live streams will tell you you'll get a notification and it will say yes we're going live on sunday otherwise it'll be a pre-record Now let's go to the youngest, coolest member of our panel, Ellen Ellard. You teach me uh, phrases. 
like a hundred percent and just listening to you talk helps me keep track of all the cool words I, sh- I i often google things after talking to you so what was it you said to me the other day hmu if i needed Hit me up yeah and i was like i had to google <laughs> that I was like, hmu what's an hmu uh, so glad to have you here i genuinely believe that you are a, a future superstar uh, of radio and we are going to get to say that ellen when she used to reply to my messages, she used to be on Missed Apex podcast. It's brilliant having you here. Uh, where can people find you on social media to find your other stuff? You can find me on Twitter, um, and I, I'm going. I'll do my usual disclaimer. Don't don't give me hate for this one. I know where you're going to give me hate. It is at Ellen Ellard underscore. Don't hate the underscore. It's there. I can't do anything about it now. We got to leave it. Um, and then I'm on Instagram at Ellen underscore Ellard. So that the underscore is in a bit of a better placing on the Insta. Yeah. So go, go and give some love to the Insta. Okay. The main thing that triggers me about the Twitter is that the underscore is at the end. I think that yeah. is what infuriates yeah. me. Burns with the fire of a thousand suns. However, <laughs> I'm not just here to slate your, your choice of username. Um, you're going to talk to us about uh, McLaren. Um, how, how, you, how, you, how have you found the McLaren season, I think it's fair to say one of the most popular teams on the grid this year and and quite possibly the team of the year. Yeah, definitely. This is such a great year to be a McLaren fan. Um, All my my mates who are McLaren fans and and diehard McLaren fans um, are just having the best time. And I I love to see it Um, consistently strong throughout. I mean, each team has individual ups and downs. I mean, we've all seen them. But to, to finish third in the Constructors' Championship just so so good it's incredible isn't it beating racing point as well who yeah. are another tra- team who have just come out of nowhere in the past year um it was their best result in in eight years i think um it's just so good to see so you're you're surrounded by M- mclaren fans and uh, and you know like in my generation as well growing up like mclaren were like a huge force of nature under ron dennis and are you booing kyle did you just thumbs down are you a mclaren hater i did well, yeah, because I was a Schumacher fan in the Ferrari <laughs> against the superior McLarens. They were the bad guys and the big bad Ron in there, yeah. But uh, in recent times, I'm warming to them, yes. Oh, wow. That's really interesting because I, I was like, uh, I was a David Coulthard fan at the time. Just me and that other guy from Glasgow. Um, but um, yeah, Hakkinen and Coulthard were a bit of a dream team for me at McLaren in those um, in those silver cars. And yeah, um, Matt? Uh, Lauren Chris suggests if you're not sure, you should perhaps watch the puppet sketch by McLaren. Oh, it okay. is hilarious, Ellen. I mean, their grasp of social media as well. You, I'm assuming you saw the the Lando puppet and the Lando Muppet and the Carlos Muppet video. Yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, I can't stop laughing. Um, <laughs> yeah, but isn't that one of the things that has been so good to see this year, though? Seeing those two bond, um, and especially through the early days of um of you know these little bubbles and when they're in their porter cabins that are dragged here there and everywhere and one of my favorite memories was actually the um the video of Lando I think filming the Carlos's porter cabin and then Carlos filming back and it was just so good to see them bonding even though they were having to keep relatively separate um they're they're one of my favorite duos of the year so that myth of like oh racing drivers can't be friends that's that's gone now Ellen because you you can be you've just got to be not a knobhead yeah well and it's one of those things where I in out of memory I can't remember 
a time where teammates have been so closely matched, yeah. but also got on so well. And it's lovely to see, you know, when you look at the stats, they are so closely matched. I mean, you can argue that maybe um, when you look at the track, there's a bit of difference, you know, the, the qualifying and to actually Carlos's better performance, um, sort of shunts and technical issues and crashes, um, sort of pu- pushing them to one side, better performances on a Sunday. Um, but to see them just get on so well and have that block you know sort of work is it work home life balance I feel like they've got going on they've got the work on the track you know they're there to push each other they're there to fight and when they get off off the track they're best friends and I love that yeah it's almost like um a big brother little brother vibe Mm. I just I I really got the vibe from Carlos that he was taking Lando underneath his wing as he calls him his his little Muppet man I think or little Muppet Muppet boy he calls him my Muppet friend (laughs) Yeah, my little Muppet friend, and it's just brilliant. And you can see the bond between them. And then when McLaren have the most popular driver pairing that you could argue in fun this season, they then go and sign Daniel Ricciardo to replace Science to make it the ultimate driver pairing for next year in terms of fun. So Ooh, big plus. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to come in there and I'm going to be controversial. Um, oh, I don't want to say this, but is it. it just two big personalities on the team? I feel like one of the things that that Lando did so well is Lando is a huge personality. You know, we saw one of the, you know, one of his first, it must've been, you know, in his first couple of races, that yeah. big crash. Then he turned into the shunt where he was flying through the air. He turned into a meme, went viral, <laughs> best thing. Um, loved it. Um, and yeah, then playing all like their, their truck simulators and that kind Thanks, of thing. Dom, I've yeah. just seen in the yeah. chat. Um, that was great. But Carlos, I feel came in a bit more sort of reserved from my point of view. You know, if if you're watching from sort of maybe maybe a Spanish point of view, you might you might disagree with me. But he came in a bit more reserved, and I feel like Lando has done a great job of sort of bringing him out his shell, yeah. making him do the silly stuff, you know, all the milk stuff, all of that. Um, when when we've got Ricardo on that team, he's such a big character. I I I don't know if they're going to be able to keep. I hope they will. That sort of that balance as good as they have with with Lando and with Carlos. See, I think it's going to be better. I think you can see already in their post race interviews when uh, we got it in Abu Dhabi when they're both on the state the stage together. You can already see that they're up to mischief behind the scenes and they can't wait to get <laughs> up to more of it. So it'll be interesting to see if they fall out because I know Spanners has some views. Yeah, on yeah, yeah. Rick- Ricardo can be maybe a bit difficult behind the scenes, but I think it's going to be like Carlos and Lando plus. No, I'm with um, I'm with Ellen here. Uh, someone in the chat says he's called Honey Badger for a reason. There is an underlying Fully. aggression and sting in the tale of Daniel Ricardo, like um, walking past you know cameras. He knew the camera was there after something went wrong. He walked past the pit lane and like screams expletives. Um, you know, has a reputation for going back into the changing room and like punching holes through walls and stuff. Hey, I'm all for a bit of passion. I'm all for a bit of aggression in a high-octane sport. I'm just saying, I don't think he's cuddly and fluffy. Like, do not paint Daniel Ricciardo as a cuddly and fluffy driver personality. He is not. That guy has got that same kind of killer instinct, that same kind of aggression as the Senners, the Schumachers. Uh, he has got that same, that focus, Matt. And I, I think it won't take a lot to have real fireworks at McLaren. Yeah, 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 drivers, whatever. How about the fact oh they're getting God. a Mercedes engine next year? Yes. Are uh, you looking forward to that, Alan? Mercedes in the back of that trunk. 
Yeah, it, it, you know, I've said that this year is a good year to be, a great year to be a McLaren fan. Next year is going to be even better. Big investment, so much exciting prospect on the horizon. Like what I'm saying, though, with that Lando and um, sort of Norris and Ricardo balance, you've got to keep the balance right on on the sort of the internal side as well. So, yeah, it, I think it's going to be super exciting. Um, it's great to see them just evolve as a team. You know, I remember it must be, must have been last year I remember I was doing one of the the first race reviews um season before this one and I was saying oh you know McLaren they're in the shell of their former team and all of that and for them to come back and just be just they've just blown me away and again it's just such a it's such a great thing to see um and yeah I mean it was great as a as a British F1 fan to look at Lando at the start of the season absolutely killing it you know that podium that first podium um and suddenly everyone sat up there and it's like what what's going to happen um where are we going next obviously didn't continue that way um and there was sort of that dip towards towards the end of the season but it was just such a great start and just such a good position to be in as a British F1 fan yeah, and I, I agree with Helen. It's good to see the team. You've done it again. You've done it again. And oh, Ellen. My name's just there. There's a little yeah, name. I, know. I am saying Ellen. I think name. I just hung up on the previous <laughs> word, and it sounds like an H. It's Ellen. I'm definitely saying Ellen. Continue, continue. <laughs> um, so I agree with Ellen, um, and and seeing the team, the team change because now Ron's gone and Zach Brown's in there. They seem a lot more of a human team, whereas the old previous yes. sort of Silver Arrow oh parents yes. were very corporate. I'd imagine like the spitting image. John Major eating peas with Norma Major type grey characters <laughs> sitting there. Um, that's what McLaren used to look looked like to me. And now I agree with Helen. Ellen. G- G- right, take a break. They, Trumpets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I agree with Ellen. And they have they have grown to be a much likable and lovable team. I got to admit, Zach does strike me a bit as a guy who knows how to delegate effectively. And that is the antithesis of the Ron Dennis approach to running the team okay firstly everything from the top to the bottom well firstly american bias and secondly you know i don't know what that word you just used means so i think that's mean opposite it it, it just means opposite that's all it means all right i learned a thing i i but i will say that i did not expect great things from zach brown at all in fact he did not impress me in the slightest when i first saw him when i saw him on drive to survive I, i i thought Honestly, he came across as being a bit of a clown and not really knowing what was going on. But I've 180 changed my view on him. He's impressively remade this this team, and it works now so much better than it has over the last uh, six years before he came on. Okay, Ellen, what about the accusation that um, Lando Norris has underperformed? And I've had a few comments from non British listeners. Oh, I can see we've triggered. We've triggered Ellen here. I've, I've honestly, I've had a few. Uh, I've had a few listeners say to me, "If that was Lance Stroll, or if Lance Stroll had a British flag, I would change my opinion." So there's a lot of people who do think that Norris has underperformed against signs this year. What say you? I, I don't. I don't really understand how you can say that. You know, he got 90, so Lando got 97 points. Yes, Carlos got the share of the points, but it was only 105. They still came third in the Constructors' Championship. You know, they're still pushing on. Um, Lando, you know, I, I really, I can't see, I, I, I can't see that. Um, 
he's done so he's contributed so much to that team I really think he has um oh, it, yeah. I, I think he did so well he did so well <laughs> I'm struggling to sort of come to terms with the fact that that might be said especially the comparison with other drivers they they were third in the constructors he has pushed that car on yeah he had a, a more difficult latter end to the season but he's only in his second season. He started off, you know, he's still developing as a driver. And if there's one thing we've learned this year, it's not to put our young drivers down. We need to nurture them and support them. And he's done so well. Just, yeah, I just think we should keep praising him. Um, you know, obviously not when everything goes goes wrong, but yeah. he, he should be celebrated for the times, you know, when he's got the podium, when he had the fifth place, when he was doing so well in the driver's championship. Yeah, that was start of the season. But, you know, why should we forget about that? He, he is the star of the future. I believe that. And I think this is, yeah, this is just the start. Um, and we, we shouldn't really dwell too much on the, the sort of like, yeah, the times where he's had poorer drives later on in the season. Maybe okay. hasn't had sort of more of a, a good average sort of position to where <laughs> Carlos has been. I'm but feeling the passion. far off. He's I- not been far off. Look at the stats. He's <laughs> not been far off. So I think we're concluding from this. Ellen Ellard, Lando Norris fan. I think uh, I've, I've heard that Fully. coming through. So I wonder from the outside, from the outside of the UK, people look at him as a as a very wealthy kid. He's from a wealthy family. I don't think he shies away from that. Very well prepared. But if you, if you look at the graphs, you were saying to me, look at the stats. The graphs are pretty equal between him and Carlos Sainz until the end of the season, until right at the back end of the season. And you could argue that Sainz had a, a little bit uh, more... Uh, more poor fortune but um i mean kyle is it is it fair to say well, i'm directing this at you because i don't want to anger ellen again um is it fair to say lando norris now the the he's only in his second season that's going to run out next season because he is the incumbent in the mclaren seat he's had two seasons in f1 he has got to really show against a known quantity daniel ricardo that he can go there and get better results week in week out um i think it's expected that he should be ahead of ricardo no, he's in the team. He's established. He knows the car. He knows the basics of it. Yes, there are some rule changes next year, but fundamental feeling from the car should carry over and be quite similar. Uh, Ricardo's got another team to learn. And yeah, there's no excuses. He's not a rookie. He's going to be a seasoned F1 driver. Everyone that we really, and one that we all really, really rate. So he has to now prove that rating. He has to show us. So I'd be expecting him to beat Ricardo next year. If he doesn't, I would say that's a, uh, Big disappointment from Norris. All right. Well, I think that leads us nicely into Renault. And Kyle Power, since you're wearing that shirt, let's start with the man we were just uh, talking about, Daniel Ricciardo. Hard hard to say that he's not been impressive this season, but he's been on a a journey now in F1 and he's going to go to his fourth team. And, uh, I mean, Red, Red Bull obviously was up there. He picked up wins and podiums. Then to Renault, now to McLaren. There is a danger of him becoming an, an F1 midfield journeyman. I hope that doesn't work out because he's got a big personality. He's obviously got talent. But this is the year, and, we, and remember Matt's here listening, th- this is the year that Ricardo kind of turned a few heads and went, nah, look, I'm a guy that can come into a team, lead it, be awesome, do the business. Yes. Uh, he's, he's started to get the results. It's maybe a bit too late for for the results but yeah it, he was at risk of turning into the Alonso to McLaren move and and it and it doesn't work out and he ends up leaving but he hasn't he's got his podiums this year which is fantastic and looking at just straight the stats and looking how it came across in the races 
it was a comprehensive spanking of, of Ocon. Yes, Ocon's coming back into the sport, but Ricardo dominated him. I do believe the stats, like the actual stats are incredible. It, is, it, it was P5 for Ricardo in the points, uh, in the drivers of 119 points versus P12 and only 62 points for Ocon. Um, and in qualifying, it was pretty da- damning as well. It was 15-2 in qualifying to Daniel Ricciardo. And when in the races where both cars finished, it was 11-2 to Danny Rick. So that's pretty comprehensive. And he did. He he proved that his move was not a failure. He's dragged that team a little bit forward. But as a whole, Renault have kind of stayed still. If yeah. you look at the headlines, they've had an amazing season. If you look at the points, they're firmly, excuse the golf analogy, but they're firmly plugged in the midfield bunker. And they ain't. And it doesn't look like they, they're going anywhere. That's not a golf analogy. They're firmly plugged in the midfield barrier. No one in the history of golf has bunker. ever said that. Plugged in the bunker. No, I don't think that's... I'm not sure that's a thing. Matt, um, he said that Ocon got comprehensively spanked. And the subtext there from Kyle, I know he didn't say it out loud, but he's basically inferring that Ocon is a spent force and that he hates you. Uh, nah, I don't think so. I, I'm surprised he didn't mention the fact that it was four DNS for Ocon and only one for Ricardo as having something to do with that. But I, I think it would have been misleading expectations at best to think Ocon, after a year out of the sport entirely, could show up to an entirely new team to boot. And I think the fact that he even came as close as he did to Ricardo by the end of the season demonstrates he's got everything that Renault were looking for when they signed him and that he's not really disappointed anyone at all. I mean, I think he will be disappointed. There's a couple of qualities. I mean, the last four or five, they, they were within a tenth of each other. One was like they were within a couple of thousandths of each other. So so I don't see him being that far off the mark by the end of the season. And I didn't expect him to be that close at the beginning. After all, if you look at Ricardo's first half season at Renault, he wasn't really beating Hulkenberg either. It takes time to adapt Ooh, to a new team. And if he's been out of the sport as well, then, then it's going to be time and time and a bit time uh, on top of that. Now, Carl, you know I don't like to acknowledge when Trumpets makes a good point, but that's a good point. He has made a pretty good point, but but Ocon only had one season out and he had an awful lot of hype behind him. With a driver with that amount of hype behind him, you would have expected him to get on top of it slightly bit quicker. And some of the, some of the stats do not lie. Uh, qualifying, it was comprehensive across the board. There was only a handful of occasions this season that you were watching qualifying and you actually thought Ocon, yes, he's actually going to get ahead of Ricardo. It, it, even though it was small gaps, it was pretty convincing. And the same in the races. The races, Ricardo always looked like the more fighty driver. And a couple of times, you know, Renault kind of nerfed his result because he was stuck behind Ocon and they didn't swap the drivers around. Ocon actually got in his way and fought him a couple of times, which I thought was a bad move, particularly in Austria. In, in the Styrian Grand Prix, I think Renault shot themselves in the foot where Ocon was trying to hold out ahead of Ricardo. And they actually cost themselves a chance at a podium there. That's also a good point, Matt. Yeah, well, you can't blame Ocon for doing what the team pays him to do, which is to drive the car and to race the drivers around him. And it's not like he stayed in the way after Renault asked him to let Ricardo pass. He was a good teammate. Yeah, I agree with you. He didn't have the same wheel-to-wheel combat skills I remembered uh, from the Perez-Ocon days at Force India. But on the other hand, he did finish with the highest placing for Renault all season long, which was second. And I'm just going to tell you that looking at the last race, 
that pass for P9 on the last lap, I mean, I mean that was that was a thing. We saw some awful good racing out of him in the last race. And again, as you got more and more towards the end of the season, I think you I think you see his the rust being shaken all the way off. And I think he is still absolutely is a driver of force to be reckoned with, not only because he's quick in the wet and very, very good in the wet. He's one of the best wet weather drivers on the grid, in my opinion. And I think the both his qualifying and spa and his performance this year show that. And one thing is, he's had that challenge against Ricardo, but it's all plain sailing now. It's not as if he's about to have a very aggressive and politically agile two-time ex-world driver champion come in next to him. Kyle, it's going to be wonderful at Alpine next season and a real challenge for Ocon. Oh, yeah, the proof is going to be in the pudding. So next season is Ocon has to to lead that team. He's, He's at the moment. Well, Alonso's going to come in as the team leader, but Ocon's the established guy in the team. And uh, we've been hearing a few whispers, and I've, I've, I've read a few whispers that Alonso in his test wasn't amazingly fast, but you're not going to, you're not going to expect him to be. He's still a bit rusty. But, but yeah, Ocon, I, I have a horrible feeling Ocon's going to be very much the bridesmaid next year. And I think Alonso's going to walk all over him. He just doesn't give me that confidence that he's going to stand up and, and fight him. Very naughty in the chat room from Mike Stoner. I think um, we can do a Leclerc-style black and white flag for Mike here, who said that Ocon is busy practicing fake crashes for next season. Well, I, it's hard to predict what's going to happen because the formula is changing yet again for next year. The tires are changing yet again for next year. But I will point out that Ocon is also uh, on the level of Perez and Hamilton when it comes to making the tires go a long, long way. He's really, really good with the tires, and the Renault is really, really good with the tires. And I think that tends to get overlooked when people talk about his competencies, his skill set. I mean, yeah, there's wheel-to-wheel racing, but you're also talking about someone who made a pair of medium tires last 50-some-odd laps, you know, on, on what okay. was almost a one-stopper. So so he's got skills, and it's not always just about the outright pace. Um, that said, yeah, Alonso's going to be fun to watch. Okay, Kyle, we're, we're summarizing uh, Renault. We're coming to the end of that period. I'm going to attack you like I attacked Ellen. I'm an equal opportunities presenter. <laughs> um, Renault failed this season. McLaren beat them. Uh, did Racing Point pit them in the end as well? That's a failure. Renault failed. I, I can't deny that. I'm having horrible flashbacks to the last time I was defending Renault here and you and Matt completely roasted me the whole the whole show about it. Um, one thing where they didn't quite fail is their power units for themselves, at least. They had no power unit failures at all, all season. There was no murmurs of them being underpowered either. That's come together nicely. There were two PU failures for McLaren that they were supplying, which you can look at that which, whichever way you want. But overall, yeah, if you look at the headline results, they got three podiums. Brilliant. They would have taken that at the start of the season. Look at the points. They scored less points in more. They, they yeah, yeah, they scored less points, a lot less points than they yeah. did, um, than they should have done, really. If you look at it pro rata, they've moved forward, but they've not moved forward in their position at all. So they're completely stuck. I'm going to stick by my original comment of they are plugged. They are stuck where they don't want to be and where they've promised us they're going to move out. So I would kind of agree that, yes, it, this season was a bit of a failure, but they've met all their expectations on their headline achievements, if that makes any sense. Yeah, they're grooved into a 
into a fairway a bunker pocket. That famous golfing phrase. There we go, Carl. Well, hopefully better things next season. The, the thing that strikes me about Renault is that they didn't have any real major, like, it wasn't that they were just a garbage tactically team. It wasn't that their drivers were pathetic. It was just just lacking performance. And I'm, I'm wondering where that comes from with McLaren Mercedes next season and, uh, and Aston Martin next season. Well, I think they could be fifth again. Yeah, you could argue that it was a bit of a save, actually, because if we go to... If we go to pre-season testing, there were there were quite a lot of concerns when people actually got a good eye on Renault's car that it looked like they'd bolted a slim down 2020 nose onto the end of their, quite roughly onto the end of their bulkhead of their 2019 car. And there was a lot of people sort of surmising and sort of theorizing that, are, are they looking to pull out the sport? This is before, obviously, they made the Alonso sort of um, coup and got him. Um, and it's before the Alpine buyout was made public. But they're actually questioned whether for their commitment in the sport and whether they were going to actually continue. And Danny Ricciardo was extremely down. I remember watching, uh, I can't remember whose column it was, but I read basically talked to Danny Ricciardo in preseason testing. He looked down and jealous of the other teams. Yeah. So to salvage three podiums out of that um, is a bit of a save, really. Three disgusting Daniel Ricciardo podiums. Not big and clever to drink out of a shoe. It's gross, Matt. Yeah, they weren't all Ricardo podiums, I feel compelled to point out in the interest of factual accuracy. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Hey, uh, we're going to go to our awards um, soon, before we all knock off for Christmas. Uh, what you can't see on the, the live stream or listening is that it is actually games day here. We, we, we can all wear our own clothes. Uh, Matt's brought the game operation in. I've got Screwball Scramble here next to me. Uh, and then we've all brought in snacks. I mean, uh, it, brilliant. Ellen's brought in Oreos. Uh, Matt's brought in gin. Uh, Kyle's there. He's not brought any snacks. He's brought plain digestive biscuits, but he's still eating everyone else's snacks. Oh, don't you hate that kid on the last I'm day? I'm the of... snack sniper. Sorry. <laughs> don't you hate that kid on the last day of school? So before we go to our um, to our awards, though, Matt, we, we should just have a quick look at the, the Ferrari power engined uh, customer teams, if you like, if, if we can kind of lump Alfa Romeo and um, and Haas into one, uh, where do you want to start with those two? Well, um, if we're going to talk about Ferrari themed teams, I want to start with Ferrari. And there's one point I want to make about them because we've already discussed a lot of them. Yes, we did. Yeah, up at the top of the show, and that is that. All they got slated for their not entirely illegal, but possibly we signed an agreement not to do whatever it was we were doing behavior. Yeah. I think they thoroughly redeemed themselves this year because they agreed to the restrictions that let the season happen. And by that, I mean resource restrictions, the tokens, knowing that it would ruin their season and make them look terrible. And if you look at the results, it was clearly borne out. They had a couple of good results early on. They had a small streak with Leclerc there in the middle. But basically, they just got worse and worse as the season went on because they couldn't fix the problems, even though they knew what the problem was, even though they could have fixed it had there not been that restriction. So I, I do have to tip the old yeah. chapeau. Fair enough. But the upshot is their customer teams were completely, completely um, nerfed. Um, and uh, I don't know, Ellen, how do you feel about the, the Alfa Romeo pairing? Because... For me, Kimi Raikkonen kind of a spent force, but he's bought into Alfa Romeo, so I guess he gets to stick around. We we don't have a, a real 
gauge on Giovinazzi, in my opinion. You know, a, a potentially a young talent that Ferrari seemed to invest a lot, but on social media, people were very quick to, to write him off. <sighs> I'd probably be one of those people who'd write him off. I haven't seen any sparkle from him. Yeah. And it's something that I like to see in a driver, um, as you probably guessed with the drivers <laughs> that I seem to... You like that social media. Yeah. I like, yeah, well, it's just that bit extra, isn't it? It, it, it? I don't feel like he brings anything extra than... I think he does what he's he's paid to do. He drives the car. I want a bit of glitz. I want a bit of glamour. <laughs> I want him fe- like just giving us a bit more, you know, and I don't feel like we get that. And, you know, he's been in... He's been, you know, he's been around a bit. He's he's one of those drivers who I just want a little bit of... A little bit more from. And yeah. I don't feel I get at all. Do you listen to the Beyond the Grids podcast with... Tom Clarkson. I don't know if you caught Giovinazzi's interview on there. No, I didn't. See, that's a shame because that's the first time he's actually come across as personable and likable. But um, I don't know whether it's something to do with, you know, perhaps maybe uh, English being a very much a second language for him. Uh, but you're right. He doesn't seem to spark and he hasn't had that killer performance that's made everyone go, oh, Giovinazzi. Yeah, there's there's nothing, and it's not even like killer performances. It, it's something that he he doesn't make you sit up and go, oh, who's this guy? <laughs> you know, if you if you're watching and you're watching the you know the the further down the grid, if you're watching that a bit distractedly, you want something that makes you grabs you and is like brings you straight in, and you you don't get that with him. Um, it, it, it's something that's disappointing because drivers even even further down the grid and in cars that aren't as you know, well prepared and in cars that are worse performing are still managing to do that. And he's not. Kyle. Yeah, I agree with Ellen. Um, Like he was extremely underwhelming this season and, and really he should be a, a young upcoming charger pushing hard against his season. We can almost call Raikkonen an antique of formula one now, like his sit, he's sitting there. He's one of the older drivers. He should be on the way out of his career and it should be Geo stamping his authority all over him. So Raikkonen is one, he's showing his class, mm. but Raikkonen's had some standout performances. Look at his lap one at Portimao. Like Raikkonen's been grabbing the headlines with a few bits yeah. of absolute brilliance all season. And Ellen is completely correct. We, we, we have had none of that from Geo. We just haven't seen it. And he's been underwhelding. And I was amazed when they actually, yeah, they actually confirmed he was going to keep mm. his drive. I, to me, I don't think he's done anything to, show us that he deserved it. Now, Carl, you've uh, triggered a lot of 40-year-old people in the live chat and a lot of 40-year-old presenters as well. By I knew that was risky. I knew uh, that was risky. I take it all back. I apologise. I'm in my prime. I'm in my prime. Just because my legs hurt for five days after any kind of physical exercise doesn't mean 40s old. Uh, but, um, Ellen, I don't know if this is cruel, but I know because Kimi Raikkonen has a stake in Alfa Romeo, I, I, I don't... I, I can't help but think maybe he's got an influence on Giovinazzi staying. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Like, I like, don't know. He's beatable. Yeah, I hear I hear where you're coming. I, yeah, ooh, it's difficult, isn't it? It is a difficult one. Um, he is, he, he, is he making Kimmy? I know Kimmy is, is an icon, isn't he? You know, he's, he's iconic. He's, he's a bit, he's a little bit of a legend, isn't he? Yeah. Um, is he making, yeah, is, is Gio making Kimmy shine a little bit brighter? No doubt. No doubt in that at all. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. Um, I'm a bit sceptical of um, really how how close that might or how accurate that point <laughs> may be, though. Trumpets. 
I think this all makes a lot more sense if we correctly begin to think about Formula One teams as marketing vehicles. I don't want to. Like literally vehicles for marketing no, products. No, I don't want to. And not actually uh, competitive entities. And if you look at it that way, then having an Italian and a former world champion on your team makes an awful lot of marketing sense. Stop ruining everything. Stop ruining things with facts and real world considerations. Well, you know. Um, and I guess if we're going to move on now. Haas. I do want to talk about Haas. Quickly, and, and though. There's been a lot of controversy and we do not have time to get into controversy today. But I want to say Haas to La Vista because I feel like the team, the fundamental nature of the team has changed. Okay. Now that we're saying goodbye to Grosjean and Magnussen and the pay drivers are walking in the door. And I think the highlights obviously had to be the two races where they, they scored points. Uh, Magnussen should have scored two points. They took it away from him for that, that pit call on the way to the grid when they made the genius call to change their tires. Oh, no. And of course, Grosjean scored his two points by, by getting ninth. And I think everybody has a much different view of Grosjean now after his accident. I, I mean, he had become, well, I, I hate to say laughingstock, but, but he hadn't been treated with a lot of respect for someone with his accomplishments. And so I, I just want to run down that, that he outqualified pretty much everyone that he raced against and that at his premium year, 2013 in Lotus, he scored 132 championship points. And, um, He's had he's had a storied career, and the same for Magnussen. You cannot forget that his very first season, his very first race at McLaren, he scored a podium, mm. and it wound up being a second. And he's gone on uh, to score. Um, he actually outdid that one year at Haas in 2018, which has been their best year. He scored uh, 56 points for them. So Kevin's going on sports cars. He's doing IMSA next year, DPI. Romaine sounds like he might be doing some IndyCar driving. And I think we will miss them more than we know come next season. Carl, I have over the years tried to tried to make the case for Roman Grosjean. I think in the end, the reason he came to be the subject of so much ridicule was that risk reward kind of balance. You know, he was on the edge, even in the pit lane. He's on the edge behind the safety car. He's on the edge at the start spa, of course. Mm. He's on the edge and he just never seemed to get that risk reward into the zone that the champions did. And ultimately that led to derision for, oh, Grosjean, oh, look, he's had another accident because he's he's right on the limit. Yeah, um, if we remember back to 2012, he actually got um, a race ban, I do believe, because he um some reckless manoeuvres. He was known for being reckless and crashing and then he sorted it all out. Um, maybe he caused the 2012 pileup at the start of the Belgium Grand Prix by moving over and actually got a race ban for it. Yeah. He said he went to see a psychologist, sorted himself out. Then he had a great couple of years. But now towards the end, these sort of reckless mistakes. And let's not get away from the fact the the outcome doesn't dictate the cause. And he was the 100% cause of that crash he had at Bahrain a couple of weeks ago. It was his another reckless move on the first lap, just moving over yeah. and not looking where he's going. That was his yeah, fault. I, I um, agree. Sorry. And basically, again, so you could almost imagine at the end of sort of 2012 or or, or was it 2014 when Maldonado was, was retiring or lost his drive, he was handing over the baton and goes, it's up to you now, mate. He handed it over to Grosjean and he become the crasher. And that's where this reputation has come. And he's gone back to his first sort of early career self 
but it was the mid bit of the career. He was stellar. He was shining. He was brilliant. He was the next big thing. But unfortunately, he just seemed to regress. And I think that's where the negative attitude came from. Yeah, to an extent. But also, I, I'm going to point at the media a little bit for maybe going to town on him a little bit more than was deserved. And regarding the cause of the accident, while being the driver and his move was the proximate cause, the real cause, as I have stated, and will continue <laughs> yeah, to say, is the inadequacy of the side view mirrors. We've seen more crashes this year because people aren't in view of the mirrors when those moves are made. They are outside. They're in a blind spot where a driver cannot possibly see them. And that is something I think Formula One needs to fix. Not, not just Grosjean, Lewis Hamilton as well. You remember he crashed into Kamui Kobayashi and he just went, I just couldn't see him. So that's even more of a case to not make violent swerves across the track <laughs> okay. in the middle of the pack on the first lap. That just goes to show that it was a silly move. Okay. Now then, let's move on to the awards. Oh, the joys of right stream music. As we look back on an amazing, I think, amazing, I think that's not a wrong word, an amazing season of Formula One in 2020. Out of the ashes of COVID-19 rose the phoenix of let's just go to any track we possibly can. A big miss, though, this year to not go to the North American tracks. I've missed Montreal. I desperately want to go and get out there next year. We had a karting event lined up in New York. So we were going to go to the East Coast of America and we were going to go and race against Matt Trumpets and our American listeners. Heartbreaking to have to cancel that. I've still got the email addresses of everyone who said they would be interested in doing that. We had a cart track as well lined up in Montreal too as another option. And, you know, whether we had to put snow tires on the carts or not, we wanted to go and do it. So we want to get out to Montreal. We want to go out and, and see these places as an organization. We want to put karting events on we had to cancel two karting events. Our main one, um, right at the beginning of the pandemic, obviously had to get cancelled. We held on as long as we could. We tried to do a stealth one just before the tier system came in and we couldn't do it then either, uh, You know, even though we'd have been there in our helmets and our race suits and not touched anyone. Uh, but the sim racing has been a, a, good, a good proxy for getting together and racing. So thank you to everyone who's joined in on the sim racing or watch the Missed Apex Motorsport live streams of those as well. 2021, it's going to be a better year. I'm going to be optimistic. I've got to be optimistic. We are planning as if we're going to get out to Canada. We're planning as if we're going to get out to America and meet American listeners and go karting with you guys. And believe me, we will share a jar or two, a flagon of ale with our American listeners. And I'm looking forward to it very, very much. Thanks for tuning in to us uh, for this 2020 season. Uh, We will pick up the things we've missed in this season review when we speak to you again in January. But for now, it's time for the awards. So we do a good thing, a thing of the season award. We do a bad thing, a missed apex award. We've got our pony awards to dish out during the season. I want to hear your comments in the chat and we'll read out some of your awards too. But who should we start with for our thing of the season oh no kyle you move too much it's you oh what's your okay. thing of the season kyle my thing of the season i'm just desperately trying to um flick through and see who said it because it was picking up on a point that came from our wonderful slack group um okay. and i'm just trying to see who it was so i can credit them no just claim for... claim you thought of it it's fine they don't know that, that was Weitzer van bruggen um okay. the f1 cars at 
proper tracks. Yeah. My thing of the season was going to tracks that we wouldn't have gone to otherwise. Yes, Imola we've been to before. I wasn't too fussed about that one. Um, Turkey was very fast and I was hoping that's going to put it into the um, eyes of the planners, but obviously it hasn't. It hasn't made it. Mugello was the big one for me. I love Mugello. I'm a huge bike racing fan. I'm a huge MotoGP fan and Mugello is very special for all MotoGP fans. So to see that in Formula One, that was my thing of the year. Carl, you're not a bike racing fan. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, no, no. Don't be, don't be so hard on yourself. You're not, you're not really. It's fine. You're just kidding yourself. Mind you, you have got an earring and that is what all MotoGP fans have. They all have earrings. I've got more piercings <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, now, Ellen, did you look up the calendar? I saw you typing away. Did you look up the 2021 calendar? Do you know what? I had it and then I looked for something else. <laughs> and um, now it's gone. Give me a minute. Oh, if, if, if Matt's got it, go to head over to Matt. So Matt, I did... do happen to have it up. Oh, now. okay. Yes. Brilliant. So um, did what, what tracks that came onto the calendar this year survive? Well, you'll be happy to know that absolutely none of them right now have survived. So Serious? looking at Vietnam to be confirmed. Okay. Street track, great. And um, we're looking at Saudi Arabia to be homologated. Oh, wow. So those that... those are two questions, but it's a 23-race season next year. Right. <laughs> okay. Don't make any plans then, people in F1. So with that, it obviously takes quite a long time to organize and plan these tracks yeah forget this year this was an exceptional circumstance but usually if you're looking at these schedules it's going to take them a couple of years to get it sorted out so i'd like to think that the fact that we had fantastic races at these awesome tracks we hadn't even considered before this year they're going to still be in the mind so maybe not next year maybe the next couple of years we should hopefully start seeing some of them come into the schedule Okay, yeah, so let's be a bit more optimistic for 2022. Um, Ellen Ellard. In fact, no, sorry, Kyle, where can people find you online? You've been doing Twitter. You have. I've seen you. I've seen you Twittering. I've done a tweet, yeah. Yeah. So where can we follow you on the thing? Um, I'm Kyle Power F1, I think. At Kyle Power F1. That's how Twitter works, isn't it? Yep. So I'm, <laughs> I'm at Kyle Power F1 on Twitter. So go do that. Um, you can probably catch me on Facebook. Um, I don't do much on YouTube anymore. I'm trying to do as much as I can on social media, but as you know, I, I'm not the biggest fan of social media. Fair enough, fair enough. Ellen Ellard, you're, you're good at the social medias. You understand all those things. Uh, who is your thing of the weekend, though, for the... No, thing of the weekend, thing of the season. My thing of the weekend? Season. <laughs> thing of the season. Sorry. Um, so um, it's a really close call um, between Hamilton um, with the world champs. Or the one I'm going to have to go for, though, um, because Hamilton would have happened anyway. But what might not have happened is this whole season. Um, So I just want to throw it out there to everyone down to like, you know, obviously the the people who organised it all, but also the cleaners and everyone who kept the drivers, the staff, the mechanics, everyone who kept them safe and managed to give us a packed out, exciting, one of the most exciting seasons of F1 I've ever seen um, and delivered that in the middle of a global pandemic and still managed to take me sat in my front room um, around the world. Um, I'm so grateful for that. And it has given me so much joy in the past year. So just shout out to everyone who put that on and managed to deliver it because I'm so you can hear I'm so grateful and I'm so happy to have been a little part of it just sat at home watching it enjoying it tweeting about it shouting about it um I'm so grateful for that we shouldn't underestimate that with all the health concerns with COVID-19 like mental health is a massive massive consideration and people now are facing mental health health challenges that they didn't even know they had 
Like people are sat at home going, oh, I am susceptible to being depressed, being anxious. Uh, it just took the right triggering effect. And who knew a global pandemic that kept us at home, kept us away from our jobs, cancelled the sporting events, cancelled the Olympics, cancelled uh, our chances to see, cancelled Christmas. COVID-19 mm. is the Grinch. Um in those situations, yes, it can it can trigger all sorts of mental health issues that we just didn't know. People, I think as well, who would often look down on people with mental health conditions suddenly going, oh, no, I get it. And as frivolous as F1 is on the scale of all those things, boy, did F1 keep me going during this pandemic. So, uh, I mean, Matt, I, I don't know what you and I would have done. We could not have turned off our F1 fandom. So Ellen's absolutely right that the people who just went, no. We've got to find a way uh, deserve all the credit in the world. Yeah, no, they do. Uh, both the FIA for coming up with the guidelines that allowed the races to go on and for FOM and the guys of Liberty Media for finding the tracks and for making the deals and spending the cash up front mm -hmm. yes. to get the teams where they needed to be to pay the tracks, to put on the races so that we could watch them on TV and do our special little thing. I'd like to take a small moment to point you to an Instagram account from one of our patrons, Lydia Cruz. It's Lydia underscore Cruz underscore draws. And because she's sponsoring a segment, I'm not going to even slag off the underscores, even though there's 17 of them. Lydia underscore Cruz underscore draws. Uh, go there for some really genuine, interesting artwork, stuff that it's not just a pretty picture of a thing. They are pretty pictures. But for example, she did a picture of the Miss Apex crew where she drew it whilst looking at pictures of us. So she looked at the picture of the panel and didn't look down at what she was drawing. So conceptual art like that, and of course, uh, some more beautiful stuff as well. Just go and check it out. Go and check out Lydia underscore Cruz, C-R-U-Z. Lydia underscore Cruz underscore draws. Lydia underscore Cruz underscores draws. Matt, two rumpets. What was your thing of the season? The midfield. I was tempted, sorely tempted to say Honda getting a pole and a win. First non-Mercedes to get that in years. That was a close second. But at the end of the day, uh, the issues with Ferrari vacated positions that were normally easily predictable. The true. Barring crash. And the fact of the matter is we have not had such enjoyable watching and racing in years because of it. We've seen McLaren, we've seen Renault, we've seen Racing Point, we've seen AlphaTauri, four teams. Tauri. And, and within sometimes, you know, what was it, P4 to P12 covered by like, you know, three-tenths of a second at best. It, it's been the most competitive, amazing season to watch. And it, and it really has just transformed, and, and I hope it will continue going forward, it's transformed the way the sport is viewed because we've seen them getting podiums and pushing up at the front. So I'm going with the midfield absolutely 100%. Time is short. So my thing of the weekend is Perez. Mic drop. That's it. Earned himself a drive in the back end of the season by being just legit awesome. He gave Red Bull absolutely no choice but to sign him. I thought everybody uh, was had a great reaction to the Perez signing. Equally as happy as me. I hope everyone enjoyed Checo Day. Happy Checo Day, everybody. Belated Checo Day. Remember on Checo Day, you're allowed to push Frenchmen into the wall. You're allowed to look confused at meetings and you're allowed to, to make your shoes last a really, really long time. Uh, bad thing award, though. Oh, no. You missed the apex. 
That is such an old recording of my son. He sounds nothing like that anymore. But here's our Bad Thing Award. Nice and quick. Say who it is and why. Carl Power. Bad Thing Award. Missed Apex. Who gets it for you for the season? I can't think of any that spring to mind. So I'm going to think the first thing that sprung to my mind, and that is Verstappen's various radio outbursts in practice sessions. The Stroll one in Portimao springs to mind, where he, yeah, various petulant, angry, uh, toys out pram radio messages. There were several. Yeah, but he always wore the right T-shirts. So swings and roundabouts, mate. Swings and roundabouts. <laughs> Ellen Ellard, who missed the apex for you this season? Anyone who prevented George Russell from not only getting his first podium, his first career points, anyone responsible, anyone who messed up the tyres, whatever, whatever role you played in that, you're responsible. This one's for you. Derek drop out. Derek in the Aiken, you're blaming Aiken. I was going to blame Derek in the tyre selection department at Mercedes, but you must you must uh, feel for the Mercedes guys. I bet they were absolutely gutted to have taken that win away from poor George Russell. Matt, two rumpets, who missed the apex for you? Now, this is going to definitely be a case of expectations missing the apex. There were many, many candidates all season long. And I'm not going to get into like the whole driver situation and how that was handled at various teams because easily there are a few teams that could be chucked up there. But I'm going to say this, and I don't know whose fault it is, but Botas at Mercedes. I mm-hmm. went and looked at their statistics, and he had one DNF this season, but he had six races out of 17 where he finished outside of the top three. And whether that's on him or whether that's on the team, I can't really say. But I can absolutely say that for a team like Mercedes, that should not be happening. Yeah, I agree with you too. Uh, let's see. Uh, Sydney Thompson in the chat says, Bad thing is seeing the Williams family leave an end of an era. We'll explore more of that in the offseason. My my missed Apex award is just going to go to uh, Ferrari engines. They were clearly doing something. I'm not going to say they were cheating. I'm going to imply it heavily. I'm not going to say they were cheating, but... Whatever they did last season that gave them that mysterious boost crippled not just them this season, but also Haas and also Alfa Romeo and kind of took away a lot of the competition in Formula One. They they kind of ruined the midfield this year, as good as the midfield was. Imagine if we'd have had Haas in there, Kyle. Imagine if we'd have had Alfa Romeo in there. Well, they also ruined the battle at the front. Yeah. Imagine with the Red Bull Mercedes battles, if we had an extremely fast Ferrari, particularly in the hands of Charles Leclerc. Yeah. Out there going and we and and it deprived us the viewer. So yeah, I agree with you. And and that was all that was all they're doing. One last award, Matt, that's for our chat room. Comment of the week. We're not gonna do pony. We'll be all positive today. We'll do a pony later in the year. Uh who gets comment of the week in the chat room? Well, first I have to mention Martin Winance. Marcio Gonzalez and Sammy E for donating to the top chat. Thank you all very, very much for supporting our podcast that way. We do appreciate it. Um, and let's see. Uh, Yelmer Vanderlei. So Latifi's only points are the five on his harness. <laughs> yeah, okay. Which, ouch. Um, regarding Vettel, LGH Jetma says he didn't hand out beer. It was Heineken. Oh, come on. A nice low alcohol barbecue beer at the right insanely cold temperature is broadly fine. Um, Goost says, I I sometimes mispronounce Ellen's name wrong and switch the two L's. Yeah, a common mistake nightmare. 
It does happen. Mike Stoner is in with drink from my shoe. Lando, do it. Regarding Ricardo to McLaren. And finally, we have Nothke in after I told him that I do not keep my weekly selections um, for later choosing. Then just say mine, my only win has won. Kimmy playing on 0% AI difficulty, which he won in the Portuguese, Portuguese Grand Prix. So who's our winner? Is that him? Sure. Why not? It's an no, old no, comment. You can't. No, no, no. no. Really? Oh, okay. Well, then I'll tell you who it is. It's going to have to be Yelmer Vanderlei. So Latifi's only points are the five on his harness because that's the one that made everybody laugh. I like that. Comment of the week. Thank you, chat room, for keeping his company throughout the year. Uh, look out for my little newsletter thing. Forgive all the typos. I'm terrible at typing. There's a reason I speak for a living and not type things uh, but that will be coming out there may or may not be a tech time but we'll see you back in january please go ahead and follow my panel kyle at kyle power f1 on twitter and we're trying to persuade him to hang out in our slack group more uh, follow ellen at ellen ellard underscore on twitter and you better do the instagram one for me ellen El- oh, at ellen underscore ellard at ellen underscore Ellard. underscore Ellard. that's terrible thanks for joining us today even more e's even more l's <laughs> uh, follow matt at matt pt 55 on twitter and um he likes us to follow his wife on twitter at a weaver right and go and catch her current thread on uh, gatekeeping i really enjoyed that gave me a lot of terminology that um that i found useful and go and check out her books the link to uh, matt's wife's books are in the the links below in the links below the the episode so they're in the youtube and they're in the um in the podcast notes as well we're getting better at that you can find their links to remain indoors podcast spanners 90s radio and you can find a link to support us on patreon um patreon.com forward slash missed apex whether we see you for a tech time or whether we see you in the new year or whether you're gonna wait to see us for the new season in 2021 work hard be kind and have fun this was Missed Apex. What a year! It's time to tuck all the Missed Apex panellists to bed for the year, Matt. Good night. Happy Christmas, Alex Van Jean. Happy Christmas, Bradley Philpott in your tiny racing car bed. It's night, his night. Today. It's his birthday. Happy birthday, Brad Philpott. Night, night to Carl Power. We put you in with your little bottle with a bottle of whiskey to fall asleep with. Yes, oh, he's please. so adorable. Night, night, mm. Ellen Ellard with all your interesting young people phrases. Night, night. Have we said Alex as well? Alex has gone to bed, hasn't he? We said night, night to Christian with his Danish beard. Oh, look at him with his Viking horns in his bed. Good Good night. Good night to uh, to our Brazilian new friend, uh, Flip Jacobson. Good night. I'm going to miss people out now, Matt. Good night to, uh, good night to... Um, Jules. 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 That's the name I was struggling for with his complicated Dutch name. Jules Sagers. Good night. He's there. Oh, he's, fa- he's fallen asleep with his clogs on. There's little Jules in his little windmill bed. Oh. Don't forget Stevens. Oh, Chris Stevens. The sweetest, cutest, youngest... Mr. Apexer of them all. Oh, go to sleep. Sweet dreams, you floppy-haired idiot. Uh, who have we missed out? And good night, Summers. His old oh, Summers is talking in his sleep. Yum, 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 yum. Toy squirt. Oh, listen to him. Oh, bless him so much. Good night and Merry Christmas, everyone. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.